So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Today, we get to talk about just our favorite thing, it seems, um, real estate. Getting started, specifically getting started in multifamily. So like moving from either a single family home or duplex starting to move up, uh, rock tackled, a triplex, I guess you're still, tra- it's now you're, you're, you're done, right? No? I'm done with it finally. Done now. I'm so, so glad to be done. Yes. So we got to talk about this. It's cool. I've been watching it. If you guys haven't seen stuff, you can follow him on Instagram and he was posting uh, some of his triplex renovations and all that stuff you were doing. Looked good though. I mean, oh, yeah, it, it turned out awesome. And I think there was a couple things that I didn't plan for that worked out really well. And just the timeline in my head when I bought it, um, and I can go over it from the, the yeah. get-go on how I found it, but uh, I had a timeline in my head, and I, I was, like, a little bit behind, but everything worked out really well. I got the numbers that I'm thinking, and I actually just reached out to an agent to kind of, like, comp it out, and, and it, it worked out really, really well. Because you, this is your first one. You were focusing primarily on duplexes before. You were buying duplexes, and this is your first triplex, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And we're, so to, to give people context, we're in Boise, Idaho, which prices have skyrocketed. Yeah, California money has been yeah. pushing our market up. I mean, we're talking double digit every single year. I think last year we were the highest um, – uh, increased in housing costs in the nation, in the Treasure Valley, the Boise area, um, because the rise has just been absolutely enormous. And everybody's getting priced out of the market. So in these kind of conditions... It's hard to find something. It's hard to find something. Well, so how did you do this? Yeah, and to give, them con- to give you context to that, that the first duplex I bought when I first met you in 2015, it's a 2-1 on each side. I bought it for 155 Today, it's worth 325 that's uh, that's that's market rate. Nothing um, that's changed. Pe- I mean. <laughs> that's, yeah, no, that's products or that's that's properties that are selling for that. That's not me making that number up. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's it's a totally different market, and and it's really hard to find a deal. Um, and actually, everything I've ever found has been on the MLS. This this triplex included. It was on the MLS, and um, I what I did is I get notifications from my realtor. He just automates them from the MLS. So anything in my criteria, which is multifamily, gets emailed to me. I always check them. I uh, get the notification on my phone. And this one popped up. And it the, the, the thing that caught me off guard was that it was in the north end. And for people that are listening that don't know what the north end is in Boise, it's a really, really, like, I want to say high class. Would you yeah, say high? Yeah, it's between the river and the mountain. So there's not, like, it goes up into the foothills. It's, it's a really beautiful, beautiful area. area. It's limited on space. And it's the old, like very hip, trendy, very hip, very trendy. They've got these cool areas, lots of great parks, and they have the, the old big homes yep. there that were some of the first first around. So it's it's a gorgeous high end area. Everyone in the area knows about it. So it's an area where you don't expect to find deals. It's not, Ex- not an area where I would look. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I've I'd never seen anything, especially multifamily, pop up. And what I what I found was um, I saw the zip code, and I. I my initial impression, because the pictures were so horrible, uh, I was I looked at it and I was I drove by it actually, and um, I, I was like, ah, it's a piece of crap. I'm I'm just gonna go home, and then I would actually emailed my realtor before I went and drove by it because I just get I, you know how you get in your head and you're like I want it I want it, 
Um, and then he calls me. He's like, hey, let's go look at it. And he's an older guy. He's been doing real estate forever. And I'm like, ah, it's kind of a, a piece of crap. And he's like, well, we should just go at least tour the inside and, and just, just um, see, if you, see if you change your mind. And we end up walking through it, and I'm like, okay, this is a sweet, sweet property. Because tr- it was a triplex, which is rare in the north end. There's not really much multifamily. And um, the studios, like, the rents were really under market. I think the two studios were getting about 500 bucks. Uh, one was getting 500 The other was getting, like, 585 And the main floor was getting 1030 And the owner had owned it for, like, 25 years. Hadn't really been working on it. I mean, the main floor smelled like piss. Just straight pee. Um, he had two dogs. Didn't take care of it. There was a tree growing through it. There's a tree growing through the wall. No, yeah. So I'm not lying either. Because the foundations are so old. It's a, it was built in 1900. Okay. Old knob and tube. It's a nightmare. Um, but the foundation. And I'm is assuming on, when you say 1900, it's not, not 1999. I, I mean literally 1900. <laughs> oh, the year. The 1900. year 1900. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To to also once again to put this in context, that was like four or five years or something like that after we even became a state. So I know for all of you guys in the Northeast, you're like, that's not that old out here. That's like one of the first homes around. It's, I mean, it's so people were homesteading out here. <laughs> yeah. And, and the foundations on that, that old like rock, you know? And so it's not like a real sealed foundation. It's a secure, I got to inspect it and everything, but there was like, they had this vine stuff growing around the house and it was growing up into the house. So like up the wall, like this high, and I'm, I'm probably pointing about five feet up, there was like branches up the walls in, within the wallpaper. So we, um, I walked through it and I'm like. So you're pulling down the wallpaper and you're seeing these things growing in the house. Right. But I hadn't done that yet. When I walked through it, I was like, all right, carpet and paint. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, all right, carpet and paint, it'll cost me 10 grand, we're good. Which is like, like I do that so much, like, yeah. which is a, a good note. Like, hey, get your numbers right. Because I did it last time and I, I shot myself in the foot. I had to get a loan because I'd overshot my um, or I'd undershot my uh, expense re- and repairs. Uh, and I was just like, I, I was like carpet and paint, which is like not what you should do. You should figure out, hey, how old is the furnace? Uh, water heater, if it has one. Well, it probably has one. Uh, appliance dates. Um, what's the like actual structure look like? Like there's so many things that, that uh, go on. And... Um, I ended up getting it under contract, um, and there was probably like eight to 10 investors going after it. But what my strategy has been is I'd go over market value and I just hope that I get, like, I, I don't go at their asking price. Everyone kind of undershoots it. That's that I hope everyone undershoots it. And I, if you go a couple grand over, I'll beat that. I try to go like five or 10 grand over because in the grand scheme of things for, for when you're buying properties like that, it doesn't matter. Just pay 10 grand over, get the deal. And you sh- if it's a good deal, you should be able to force that value to get to get what you need to get out of it. And um, I, I offered four fifty, and it was being sold for four forty five, something like that. Yeah, four forty five, and it appraised for four sixty five. So like I said, nice. like you got to just pay the five grand. It doesn't even change your loan amount yeah. either. Like yeah. that's a mentality too, though. So I ended up buying that at the end of October. Yep, and my I kind of approached some things right and some things wrong. The rent, so just to kind of give you guys numbers, I used a line of credit on my one of my duplexes to pay for the down payment. So I pulled a $70,000 line of credit out of, out of one house. I try not to use my own money. And that line of credit's debt service is three fifty. dollars uh, 
and then it amortizes at 10 years and becomes a loan. Uh, not amortized, but becomes a loan and gets packaged up. At, and it's an adjustable rate line of credit, um, which right now is like at 6% or something. So my payment's 350 and my debt service, that's PITI, on the property uh, is like $2,372. I paid it yesterday. And so um, all in, let's just say roughly 2800 and it's since, since since it's one building, it's it's a single family house converted to a triplex. Um, I pay the utilities, which my estimates put it at around three hundred dollars, right? So I'm probably sitting around three thousand to thirty one hundred in payment. Um, and at the time, I was only getting like twenty one hundred in rent. So I went in, and I kind of just was like, "All right, everybody, like the main floor, you're paying sixteen hundred. Top floors, you're paying a thousand each." And that didn't go over well. Um, they, which I expected, like I would have been lucky for them to stay, um, especially without repairs. And so two gave their notice and then one stayed a little bit longer. I actually didn't give her the notice. I was waiting to get the other two finished. And then I was going to give her notice to kind of keep some cash flow coming in, which looking back on it, I should have done one at a time to keep my cash flow better. But there's, there's a caveat to that. I was able to work on two units with the same guys at one time. So theoretically it would have been the same amount of time. Yeah. Cause I'm leveraging resources or payment. And the nice thing is they let you skip that first month's payment. Um, they like set it out one month. So I got a free month. And then the second month, uh, I had actually just at the same time bought another house that, uh, in Meridian and the rents I got from that covered the, the payment because I, I skipped a month there. So I was kind of moving money around. So I only was out in total, in ter- for my payments, about three grand. So one payment and then a little bit of another. So it wasn't too bad in yeah. terms of like holding. How long did it take you to get done doing the first two? Right. So I bought it October. I, they were out by the end of November, start of December. And then we just finished it um, probably like the first two, we probably finished mid-February. So about two and a half months. Um, and... The third unit we did super quick because we had our process down. But what happened was like, so like I said at the beginning, I was like, oh, yeah, carpet and paint. That's my that's my strategy. And when I got in there, I was realizing like it's not carpet and paint. Like I overshot this hard. And I actually one of my employees that works for, for my brand, he is like he would always tell me he's like, hey, I can only work this these many hours today. I got to go work on my dad's house. And he was telling me he's building his dad's house. And I'm like thinking, oh, okay, you're painting your, your dad's trim or, or working on his garden or whatever. But no, he was literally like this one guy who's like two, three years younger than me. His name's Jess, was building his dad's house like straight up from the ground up, foundations and everything, running cr- crews. And I brought him over there because he was curious about it. And he's like, dude, we can, we can rip all this out. We can do the floors. We can tile the showers, do all this. And I'm like, who, you? And because I was give, giving him, I always give him crap because I've known him for like 10 years. He's my sister's best friend. And he's like, dude, yeah, I can do this all day. And I'm like, okay, like you're done. Like you're not working at the warehouse anymore. You're working here. And we ended up, it was me, me and him basically flipped that, that whole house, which um, all in, in my expenses for the, for the rehab. And I'll go back to him. It was about 30 grand is what I, is what I think I reconcile out to for three units that's everything. Which put you the grand total at 480. Um, but you got to think like 
when when I say we re- redid everything, like, uh, and I I can send you pictures if you want to post them in your on your on the website or, or oh yeah, whatnot. that's a great idea. Maybe we could even add them on to this blog. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll put them on to either as attachments here, or we'll put on some so everybody can go and see the resource and see see what was done. Yeah, because we we'll straight also up put a link to the ins- your Instagram so you guys can see on there too. And I gotta make a post on it too. But we straight up gutted it. Like like carpet and paint was not the thing. Like we. We gutted, sh- like, from the kitchens. Like, in the studios, for instance, we ripped out the entire kitchen. Yeah. Um, entire bathroom. We, ri- we would rip it out. And then we retiled. We ship shiplapped everything. New flooring, new cabinetry, new sinks, new everything. And he, since, since he had the skills, like, he could plumb. He, was a t- he could tile, carpentry, everything. He had all the skills from working on his dad's rentals. I guess his dad owns, like, his dad was buying rentals in 2008. He, he was on it. Um, and... Um, and so he had all the skills that I didn't expect. So the level that I was able to make the triplex was way nicer. And he had crews. He, he was able to, oh, he had a flooring connection. And that, that, that guy was great. He was, he was able to get in there and execute what he needed to do on the days that I needed to do it. Because a lot of people don't realize, like, when you're doing your repairs, you need to have certain things done in an order to keep everything on, tr- on task. Right. Like if I need to order my flooring, if I need my flooring installed on the first, I should have ordered it a week ago because it needs to acclimate for 48 hours. Then the guys need to know when it's acclimated so they can come and install it, which might take them three days. And you want to do everything in a sequence. So we were able to line everything out. So everything was getting done efficiently every day. We were knocking things off the task because if you think we did three units, completely remodeled everything and painting them. Um, And we did that with two people. And sometimes my sister would come and help and my dad would come and help. So let's just say four people, but it was only a couple days. And we did all that work in two months. So if I were to subcontract that and go get those tasks done elsewhere, I mean, I would have probably been at like 100K, 70K. Like I would have been way more expensive. And um, and that kind of will show at the end of the appraised value because – yeah, I mean, we spent all that time. Um, I don't know if there's any, any like, should I point out anything about? I mean, when you're running crews, it's good to have a good subs. Like, yeah. that's the most important key. Like, we, I dealt it with it when I was working with you with, with, with self-storage. Like, not having good contractors will cost you so much money, not only in what is done incorrectly, but in time and everything. So Jess was, like, a clutch, like, key aspect to that. And I tell him that. I'm like, dude, crushed it just making sure that they were on point on time the projects were getting done systematically so because you know there's a process to this kind of stuff right i mean you can't you yeah you obviously can't paint before the wall's done and so you're dealing with multiple people and you're also dealing in a timeline of events that have to occur in the proper order and i think when you look at when people are looking at real estate when you're looking at developing whether it's a big small mid-sized project doesn't really matter particularly in today when you know, all contractors are at high demand. Um, we had a neighbor that was building their house, and the trust guys just walked off the job. They said, we got a better job. They left. It took them three months to get another person to come work on their house. Three months. The house sat, just sat there. And that can be, I think, one of the parts that most people have the most difficulty. They see a house. They're like, oh, I know exactly how to renovate it, right? I can identify what needs to be done. But first of all, I, you said getting, making sure you're underwriting, so to speak, getting those costs correctly, but then managing it, just making sure the costs don't go out of control. I mean, that's huge. You get contractors in and they're like, well, we decided to 
do this. And by the way, we, you know, this, and that's going to be, we got five change orders here. And all of a sudden you're going, holy cow, this was 25% higher. Now my budget's blown and I can't get rents. And so you had, he was just right on the, on well, top of that. Oh, hundred percent. Well, and the nice thing is like, he was a, a w, he's a W2 employee for me. Yeah. So like it, he's working there all day and it's nice for me because I can't be in like, and we talk about this all the time. Like I can't be running that project eight hours a day. I can't, I have my, my other stuff that's going on. Like we have multiple companies that I need to run. So there would be days where I could be like, Hey, these are the tasks today. Um, and I'm not, I'm not even going to show up. And so I could, I could trust him to get those things done. And he was making incremental progress every day and not with no resources. Like it's just him. Um, like I have my plumber, I have, uh, the flooring guys. Um, but we painted, which uh, just to give you guys context on paint, my previous duplex, I spent like 10 grand, 10, 12 grand on paint. That's, that's cause it takes them three days to prep your dang house, to clean everything, get like fill holes, all that stuff it takes, it took three days to prep a day to paint. And they were a good painting company, but I spent like 10, 12 grand. I spent 30 total project on a full rehab on three units for a triplex. And, and when I looked at the cost, I was like, dang, this was such a good cost savings through having the internal guy that knew everything, which is part of that's luck. Um, cause I, and also part of it's, I wouldn't have gone so far with the rehab had I not had just there. Because I wouldn't know, like, I'm not going to start ripping out my shower. I'm just not doing that. Um, when it, it when it should have been done. And that actually played into the rents now. Because the rents that I wanted, I got. Because the units were so nice. They're like premium grade A units in the north end. So the main floor, I, I'm getting $1,600. Um, which is what I upped. That, that's what I wanted the yeah. first time. Um, one of the units is uh, $900. And then the other unit's still open for rent for about $900 to $1,000. Yeah. With uh, all them filled, what's that put your net at? I should come in around thirty five hundred to thirty six hundred, okay. which um, my total debt uh, is coming in at three thousand ish. So I'm cash flowing about a hundred to one hundred fifty dollars a door. Yeah. Um, but but you got to think here. So it's an it was an appreciation play the whole time, and I th I feel like we're missing I'm missing something here, but um, it was an appreciation play the whole time, and there was a uh, a real a really good real estate agent Elliot Hoyt. Uh, I've been talking to him back and forth and he's just a hustler and he actually ran some comps on me on that triplex for me. And he's, he said that it could sell tomorrow for 625. Yeah. So 625, I'm all in at 480. I don't know if, if the sell price, cause obviously this market's crazy. I don't know if the sell price is the appraised price, but if I could get it appraised at a value of let's say 550 to 575, I could refi and get that line of credit paid off. Um, that was my, my intention the whole time. Cause then I'm into that property for none of my own cash. I'm just moving money around. Well, 30 grand, let's say for my repairs, but, but I'm moving money around and now I have an asset that will continue to appreciate. And I could probably go build another unit on the back of that, which was my intention the whole time was build a unit garage and, um, rent that out. So it becomes a, and is the city okay with that? How's that work? Eh, you know, yeah, yeah, you, eh, you know, know what I'm yeah. saying. Uh, uh, they're not, they're not okay with it, but there's, there's ways to do it without breaking the rules. Yes. Um, you just need to talk to the right people. Obviously you need to talk to the city. Yeah. You need to talk to contractors that have done it before and you need to know your offsets like that. You need the right amount of land. That was my issue is like the offsets that they're going to require. Is it even worth building another unit? And that's why I'm going to just proceed without doing it. Yeah. And then, Later on, because there, there's, well, yeah, and they're, they're looking at expanding eight, eight, like their, their ADUs, 
Um, they're looking at expanding the square footage allowed. Um, what they're trying to do is prevent overpopulation in the North End. Yeah. Uh, it's specifically for the North End. Everyone has an ADU. And you can drive around uh, the North End and see all these really high class. They're basically houses on the back of them. Um, so I need, to f I need to figure out what their process is over the next two years to see if they're going to allow a bigger unit. Because I'd like to make mine bigger than, like, I think they allow, like, 600 square feet, 700 square feet, which is a small... It's not bad, but it's it's not like anything but substantial. But the point being is, once again, you take your money out, you can rinse and repeat. So you can turn around and do it. So exactly. this, this is the burst strategy. Yes, it's a burst strategy as long as I'm able to refinance and pay that line of credit off without getting my payments so blown out to where my debt service is higher than my rents again. Because yeah. um, obviously, if I'm refi, my payment's going to go up because I'm putting... Because right now, I owe, like I don't know, 370 on on the loan and 70 on the line of credit. But all that debt's paid for by the property. So I'm not out of pocket anything. Yeah. Um, the idea for me, and I've been talking to my, my loan officer back and forth about this, is do I try and take all my rentals income and pay that line of credit off as fast as I can and not refi because my rate's really good? Or do I try to refi and um, maneuver that money around? You know, there's, there's a yes. couple ways I could go yes. about it. Um, and there's advantages to both. Um, I mean, interest rates are crazy low right now. Um, it's absolutely nuts. The Fed announced yesterday, and doing this podcast, they announced yesterday they dropped it. Uh, Another half point or something? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like, you know, mind-blowingly low. It's, it is, yeah, it's free money. Um, we know... Which, what uh, would you do if you were me? Uh, it depends on the cash flow, but I'd probably refinance it. At this, you know, we were talking to Extra Space. They're a... Huge self-storage read, billions of dollars. Like second largest, yeah, right? Second largest in the world. They just they they just went out and got two hundred million at three percent or two percent. <laughs> it, it literally is just right now free. Money. free. Yeah. Um, and when we say free money, it's important for you to understand what we mean. We mean that money is cheaper than inflation. So if you have your money sitting in a bank account, you're gonna lose two point five percent every year. So that means they're borrowing money at less than it loses sitting in a bank account. So if you think of just the basics of that, just having your money bearing any interest at all, and I, it's just it's it's a, it's an amazing deal. I mean, it's you, know, you can take that and refinance uh, thirty year because triplexes get the thirty year mortgage, right? right. Um, which that you're locked that up, and and if cash flows, then you can go back, uh, rinse and repeat. The burst strategy too. I wanted to hit on this real quick, just so people know. Um, that means you buy, you rehab, refinance and repeat. Yeah, rent, refinance or and rent, repeat. refinance. Because repeat, you do need yes. to see. I want to make a point. You need to season the loan for six months before I can yes. refi. So that's why I'm trying to get people in, even if I'm charging 900 instead of a thousand. I'm like. Hey, get yeah. them in on a six month or a twelve or a, a sixteen month. I want you always want your your rents to or your leases to come up in the summer or close to when people are renting. That was part of the issue with this is like, hey, I'm in the worst three months of the year and I was still getting them rented. Um, so I'm that's why one's not rented. As I, I had it rented, I just didn't want the guy's dog in there. It was like a hundred and forty pound dog in a in a five hundred unit, yeah. five hundred square foot unit. It just wouldn't be good. But but. Um, you need to season the loan so you can uh, rent it. That's what you mean by rent. And then you refi it. And the the refinance process with this, because I've been looking into it, it's a um, it's an investment loan um, from, from Mountain America is what I did for this. And um, on an investment property, when you're refinancing, they can only go, I think my current lender can only go up to like 70% uh, 
um, loan to value. So that would be my property. I, basically, I, we were thinking that my property wouldn't appraise at the amount needed, which means I'm out of pocket to refinance or I don't get that full cash out refi that I need um, while my payment goes up. But if I'm able to get that 625 value on an appraisal, I mean, yeah, I refi, I cash out refi, pull my money, pay the line of credit off. Yeah, my payment's higher, but in theory, um, the rents should cover it, or I would make it so that the rents could cover it. And um, that property is basically free money. And like you're saying, um, how you get wealthy is you get cash flowing debt and get as much of it as you can and make sure you can manage it, not, not over leveraged. But everything, I, everything I'm trying to do, I try to keep my personal income for opportunities. And like when you have basically um, equity sitting in that house, I mean, it's just sitting there. Yeah. You may as well leverage it into yeah. more cash flowing debt. Yeah. Because like I'm saying, it'll refi, it'll catch up. Yeah. I, in my market, I should say. Sometimes it doesn't catch up. Yeah. Like, hey, play, play at your own risk. Um, but, but too, if you're doing it right, it's not right. Uh, and this is really important to understand here because I talk about this a lot on real estate and when I, I don't believe in performance, I don't believe in, oh, it'll work out in the future. It works out now, and with a 30-year mortgage, right, it, it's you're locked in, you know your expense, so you know exactly how much it's going to cost. If you're paying your bills and making some money, it's you're fine. It does, it, it's okay. You, it'll cash flow. We're not talking about leveraging like they did in you know, 2008. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about appreciation go sell the home to try to make money or as it's called in the industry or, you know, as people say in the industry um, that hope that there's, you know, somebody dumber than you as in you're betting that somebody will pay a higher price than you. That's not a strategy. That's not a strategy. Yeah. That's a hope and a prayer. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. And I want to talk about like long view. There's this, this YouTube guy. He's like a, he's an, he was in prison. And he's like so inspirational and he's got such a good mindset now. His name's Wes so, Watson. So you're listening to prisoners now, Rock. Dude, he is so – I'm actually going to have him Rock start. is following his playbook to the <laughs> T. Well, no, because he had – I was I, – whenever I listen to him, I think about how so you, – you and him come from totally different areas of life, but you have the same principles. And I, I'm not talking negatively either. I'm, I'm talking about like thinking long term, working – like just the principles. When I listen to his videos – he's on YouTube, Wes Watson uh, – like literally the same conversations we have, it's just him like saying it, but he learned it in prison, which is crazy to me that you can be, have achieved that mindset from that. But he talks about this principle of long view, always thinking about your future self. And when, when I was, when we were flipping it, so many people told me, oh, you should sell it. And I'm like thinking, well, yeah, I could like, maybe, maybe I make 50 grand, but then I get taxed at 35% or whatever. And I'm, I make whatever, 12 grand, 15 grand. Um, that's not worth it. And when I think of long view and you're talking about appreciation and, and thinking long term, as long as it cash flows now, in 10 years in that area, that property could be worth like 800, 850, maybe a million dollars one day, and it'll cash flow the entire time. So why, and, and then you can get a line of credit and repeat the whole process over. Why would you sacrifice um, something that could work out so well for a short term gain? And so I always think long view, especially with real estate, like that's what you guys do here with Bitterroot. And it, it, that's why you keep growing so quickly. Yeah. And, and you have to. I, you know, I like to think of it like this. And I tell my kids, I'm like, there's three yous. There's you in the past. There's you right now. And there's you in the future. The decisions that you make today is going to affect 
you, that person, right? And I always say I like future AJ way more than I like present AJ because future AJ is a stud, and I don't want to take from future AJ. And, you know, he's going to be ticked. And I always think people are always like, oh, but I want it now. And I'm like, think about how much more you're going to want financial freedom when you're 50 than when you're 25. Like, it's just, it's your needs increase, your wants and desires increase. Future AJ is so much more needy, right? And then past AJ helps present AJ get future AJ what he wants and where he wants to go. Well, and what you're saying this is what people don't realize, and I've started to realize it more and more as the work's starting to pay off. Future AJ, future Rock, um, they come. Like, it comes. Like, the life that I live today is a result of my actions five years ago. And, and but I'm living it now. I, 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 I have the car that I wanted. I have the freedom that I wanted. I have the businesses that I wanted. But I was always pushing off to the future. And I still push, like, the work I'm doing today, I won't see it for another year, three years, five years, 10 years, but I'm doing it now because it will come. People think that if I put it off for five years, it's never going to come because I'm never going to see it. It comes. You you don't notice it. It just gradually occurs to you. You one day leave your job and then you're like, well, what do I do now? And you go back to work on your own stuff now and you just level up and you keep leveling up. It's a, it's, you know, I was reading in a book and we've had this discussion before um, when teaching with kids and things, but that's probably the number one indicator of people that are successful, the ones that can sacrifice the present for the future. Because that implies all things. I study at night for the future. I work hard every morning and every night, not for necessarily today, but for the future. It's a process of building and not needing immediate gratification. Uh, Because immediate gratification, you take everything you build. And so you don't go anywhere. You just sit in place. And uh, you, it's just sacrifice comes with progress, but it comes at now and then it repays at multiples in the future. And once you have a taste of it, it's obviously easy to do, but for people that don't understand that or don't have a taste of it, and we are trained in society, the opposite, and this is really hard. W2, you get immediately paid for a work done. That's not how entrepreneurship and investing work. You don't get it. You have to build and create, and you have to do twice as much, work twice as hard, study twice as hard, all those kind of things to be to be paid almost the equivalent of today. And that's really hard to grasp uh, for a lot of people. Well, because it's not guaranteed. Because it's not guaranteed, and exactly. Pe- people, and when you're doing something into the unknown, you don't know if it's been proven. Like now when I think about ideas and business ideas, like you, you can say, oh, well, I've done it before which is an easy perspective to come from. But I remember have, having like nothing and being like, oh man, I'm going to spend uh, two years. And I'm, w- if I don't make any progress, then I'm just regressing and all my friends and everyone else is getting ahead. And everyone has that mindset. But if you think about it, the time's going to pass anyway. If you didn't do it, you still won't have it. Yeah. So you, you have nothing to lose but to try, right? And, and think that if you focus on always the future, which everything with real estate for me is based, like, I don't t- touch any of that money. I don't pull, every, everything keeps compounding on itself. And like you, you talk about, is like, you need to get that real estate to the point where it can fund itself. And um, like, yeah, I could go get a really nice house and, and just spend it all and do whatever whatever people do with their money. But but to me, it's, and it's more fun to th- be like, well, what, what about the next level? Like, yeah. what, 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 can, what else can be made? Yeah. Most people, and too, I think that's a mentality that, 
it, it's a progress mentality. It's, it's not a greed mentality. It's a, I just want to be better tomorrow than I am today in everything. And two, most people know we need resources to become better. And the things that I want to solve, the problems, things I want to do with my family and my children, um, we need resources to solve these problems. And I, and I have these bigger visions and things that I want to obtain. Um, but you don't obtain those big dreams by not suffering through and earning it. And two, also taking the small steps. Because those small steps now, as you're paving that path forward, it has a compounding effect, just like money does, action does too, right? You know, the moves in the future, you know, things that we're buying and things that we're doing today, I would have never imagined 10 years ago that I'd be doing. Because I couldn't, you know, the, I you can't perceive can't it. even perceive it. I, same, same with yeah. me with, with this triplex. Like, literally, if you told me, oh, yeah, Rock, when you're 25, you'll be buying half a million dollar properties in the North End, I would be like, no, no that, that's not possible. Because five years ago, I was making 30 grand working in a call center. But it's I, in the, when I was in the call center, I was on forums, bigger pockets, listening to the podcast, trying to meet people at the meetup groups like with you. And all that stuff, it's personal development. Yeah. You just compounds, 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 compounds. And eventually, it catches up. But you can't, you don't see it. You'll never see it. it and unless you have like, well, I guess you can visualize it. Um, but it's but different though. It is it's different. Just not, it, it, what is that I, called? Yeah, I don't. But you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I totally know what you're talking Cause about. Because it's like... Well, action creates... It's something you feel. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, action has a way of creating this learning process in your he head that is different. And action without reward is also a different way of learning. And it, and it really interests me. So if I'm working to build something and I, I'm looking at results as opposed to not immediate, but as future, the more that you can do that, the more you understand how future results are created. So I can evaluate opportunities differently and how they'll play out in the future because you've obviously, you know, you've walked down, you see how those play out and you can kind of get a, a better idea of how those opportunities are leveraged, right? And that's part of the scaling up. But before you've walked down that path, obviously, you don't understand how that kind of leverage works. And that's why people are always incredibly amazed at real estate. I bought this house six years ago, and I just it's 250000 And they're like, I've never made $250,000 in my life, and I didn't do anything. And it blows their mind, right? Because, it, you know, we always, the, the line, we overestimate, what we can do in a year and you underestimate what you can do in 10 and you and you work for the 10 year mark every single day all day and just put your head down and then you're it, it's true you're blown away after that amount of time what what you can create and what you can do i think it's yeah i think it's a good note to say like hey you should make those goals like those year the one five and ten year goals and then not like people stress themselves out over like oh this month or this week yeah. And, but but your actions should be reverse engineered from your 10 to the 5 to the 5 to the 1. I did this like this past weekend. I reverse engineered 10 down to what I should be doing this week. Yep. And that's a hard thing to do because you have to like really think like, okay, to get to this step. And because you might not have a balance of how the reality of it works. Like you did that to me. I was like, oh, I'm going to make a $10 million real estate portfolio. And he's like, okay, you need 50 duplexes. Because that was my strategy. And, um, and he's like, how many duplexes? Oh, I, and I had a time limit, like five years. Like, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. I didn't even, there was no income level. But there's ways to, to do the 10 million. I just needed to figure out how to get there. Yep. 
And when you reverse engineer properly and you bring structure of reality, which is from knowledge, books, mentors, experience, that's how you, you bring structure to your um, reality to build the goal. Then you can really pinpoint down. Like I know how to get my company to 10 million. I just have to repeat the process faster and find people to help me. Um, and you can do that with re- any, any sort of pattern-based business. Like real estate is a really ba- pattern-based business. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, it's the easiest. Drink way too much caffeine. Sorry. Right. <laughs> no, I'm it's just good. going off. You can have another one. <laughs> yeah, no, I got well, a monster well, here. <laughs> this is a, but it, it's true. Real estate is, is, this is why people like it. The hard things about real estate is if you're not patient, right? But real estate is the easiest thing to create wealth um, because it is predictable. And if you follow set rules, and guidelines, it's repeatable. The thing about real estate, though, is it, a lot more sacrifice in the short term is required. It, it's a longer term. It's a play. longer term play. Yeah. But when we say longer term, it, it's five, ten years. Five, ten years. That's not long time. 50, I mean, over fifty years. Imagine. Right? And your future self is gonna want. And people are like, well, I don't want to put that money into this, right? But your future self wants that money more than you do now. And it comes down to that, this idea that you can allocate at a known rate of return the continual action of achieving that it's just real estate offers that like no other asset class does. There's too many variables in other business uh, patterns. That's why there's more risk for the average person. They're not doing venture capitalism where they're like, listen, I know that eight out of every 10 are going to bomb. One's going to do good. And the other one's going to be a rock star. I can calculate that out. I can survive the ups and downs. And it's there's, and two, I have the, the standards and sets to evaluate those companies so I'll get two right instead of lose on all 10. Um, most people don't have that knowledge, that experience. Uh, it's what you're talking about, buying duplexes, buying a triplex, re, you know, bringing it up, increasing market rates, refinancing, doing it again. So value-add strategy value is multifamily. Value-add strategy, multifamily that is progressive. So, you know, I like to look at uh, progress. Um, if you were in a chart and you have your X and your Y axis, you know, you want to grow horizontally, but vertically at the same time. So you want to be growing horizontally by units, like say, I'm going to have two, three, four doors, right? But then after you have your two, three, four doors each, the next one, you want to also increase vertically and you want to do a triplex and then maybe two triplexes, then you want to do a sixplex, right? So there's this act of this horizontal plus vertical growth that you can get in um, real estate. But all the time, when you go back to that first door, it's increasing in value and it's paying it's you compounding. more. So it's just compounding in ways that's that... What, that's, what, that's what it's been for me because like I bought my first one in 2015, house hack. Second one, because I refied that house hack loan. It's about the second one two years later. Right, I wanted to buy one right then, but you had to wait two years. House hack again, and then this past what in the past three months I bought uh, another single family uh, and a triplex at the same time, and then next time I'd love to get into like a thirty-unit apartment complex or something, and find like f- now that I'm getting the income to where I could finance a big project, I'd like to get into bigger stuff because it's the same management time, yeah. same yeah. same same model too, same model. Um, but yeah, you well, need the, and, and it builds the experience and exactly. systems and and if you can hit the golden, and which is like throwing gas on a fire, it's that you're able to increase your income 
along the same lines, whether that's your, in your job you're currently at, whether that's through entrepreneurship or whatever it may be. But those two things hand in hand, I mean, that just blows compounding out of the water. It's what we did with our sales and our, and our other companies. And we moved that money over to investment, investing, start instead of playing with it and using it, we pile drive that into real estate. So your income is growing with your wealth. So every time it's like doubling, right? Well, it's and just banks, boom, boom, boom. banks don't even question you. No, they don't like, not at all. I remember looking at what you guys were doing like five years ago and I'm like, Oh my gosh, do people know? And I'd be like, Oh my gosh. And, and literally the whole time I was thinking, I need to figure out how do I make more money? Because you can try to do real estate all day and, and I'm sure you can do it with a $50,000 a year consistent job. And, and you can get there for sure. I'm not saying you can't, but if you, to condense your timeline, you need to figure out how do I go from 50 to 75 to hundred to 125 and do it consistently. Yeah. Because if the you bank's can gonna... raise your income from 50 to $60,000, you double your rate because say you're living off 40 and investing 10, you raise it to 60. Now you have another 10 to invest. You're, it's it, it just it and the bank's going to look at your debt to income ratios. Yes, so you can't exactly. you can't raise your lifestyle with your income. Yeah, you need to be able to manage all those. And you have to keep it down. What happens with the banks primarily when you're talking about thirty year mortgages and starting in four and under units, so four plexes and below, um, banks look more at your personal stance than they do anything else. So what you should do is raise your income with your wealth, but then once you get to a certain point, you need to move out of it and move to commercial. And this is the scaling process because commercial is based more on the asset than it is the individual. So the bank's looking at how sustainable that asset is and how, how your plan will work way more than they're looking at your personal financial statement, right? That's why banks cap out at a certain amount of doors, single family homes. You just can't. Your debt to income ratios is capped, but commercial doesn't act like that. I don't, I, uh, we, we hit caps with banks, but it's not us. It's the banks that cap out. They're like, sorry, we can't lend to any individuals based upon the laws with the federal government over 30 million. Like the banks cap out before you do in real estate. That's a great problem to have. And so we have banks that are like, Hey, we want to move a bunch of your debt off over to another bank. We'll keep everything the same just so we can keep lending money to you. Uh, by That's the government. local credit unions. Yeah, credit unions they cap out, right? And so big banks they may not, but you get better contracts. But it's that that scaling pattern, which is no longer has anything to do with our income. Like I could go buy if I got the down payment. So if I went out and got partners, I could put the down payment down on 15 storage facilities this year. All the banks would be like, great, let's do it. Yeah, because they're they're looking yeah, at the asset. Exactly. There'd be no cap to it. And to bring to bring like that. I think that people listen to that and they say, well, that's, I can't do that. I, I, I won't get there. And when I think about it, like I used to think that I'm like, oh man, that's so, that's such a high level. But when you think about starting small with a duplex and then starting with a triplex, like the amount of value appreciation, if I sold one of my duplexes and 1031 it into a property, I could get that down payment I need. Yeah. Um, and that's why you should start. Like, that's why I'm against that Grant Cardone stuff with you shouldn't buy a house and you shouldn't because I, I couldn't have saved how much money my real estate's appreciated in 20 years, uh, probably 10 years. Well, if you sold all everything, you're, if you sold all your properties today, it would make more than you've made every single year. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, by far. And so you're sitting here going, not only did I double my income, I way over. You can leverage your, your, it. And you can leverage it tax-free and move it over into, a higher, into a higher level investment. So it is not the equivalent. And it makes... 
you know, this is the difference too between when you're talking about hard assets, wealth generating assets, as opposed to income, even income based business. Like if you have a 1099 sales job, right? Yes, you can increase your income. The government's going to take more of it. Banks don't look at it the same. It gets taxed as much. But when you're dealing with properties, no. When you have 15 properties and they all have $100,000 in equity, you take a loan out for $1.5 million, ain't nobody care. And then you go buy another big one. They still cash flow. They cover their debt. You have $1.5 million tax-free. You go buy a, you know, a $5 million apartment building. And that apartment building is now going to pay you, you know, $150,000 a year. And uh, then you turn around do and again. do it again. And, and that's what's crazy about the real estate stuff is, and, and I could talk about this forever because that is how simple it is. It's not, it's not easy, but no, it's simple. it's not easy, but it's simple. But what you guys did is you, had, you, you built the management internal. Yeah. So, and that's where I think people fail to scale. They, they manage it all themselves. They take it on personally. They condense their time, which, which closes their opportunities. But when I looked at what you guys did, you guys literally doubled down even more and, and built the team around you, which is just, that's high level business. That's yeah. like, you need to be a business owner, understand how, like all that, which you can learn. Yeah. Um, I'm learning it. It's yeah. hard. Well, and, um, and it is, you're, but you're right too. When that's you're talking the next about level. Business. Whether you're doing real estate, whether you're doing any kind of investment, you know, we talk about cash flow to freedom because if you're, it's all revenue management. This is business principles. I don't, it's not what, if you're investing, you're running businesses. It, it's the exact same stuff. And so you need to be very conscientious of how you are building your future. So what today AJ is doing, I need to look at the systems and the processes that I'm putting into my own personal life. Like, am I doing activities that could be done better by somebody else? And am I utilizing my time good enough? Or am I doing activities that I'm not having the best person do? And that's affecting my business. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking simple, simple things, right? If you own a duplex and you're spending your time mowing the lawn of your rental property, as opposed to out driving the streets, trying to find another property, where's your ROI in your time, right? It's changing that mentality to work on growing, managing revenue, managing capital, and growing that capital and having other people assist you in growing. It, it's, it, that's the scaling part. Yeah. And that's, that's how you get to the next level. That's how you take it from a one duplex, one duplex to a triplex. And that's how you build a business, like a full-blown multi-million dollar real estate business out of it. And I mean, it's totally doable for everybody. Yeah. It's not easy, but it is simple and straightforward. It's been re- done how many times? Like oh. tons and thousands yeah. and thousands yep. of times. Real estate makes more millionaires than anything else. And it, when you look at real estate too, it, it's you, the United States, we have a very unique advantage that a lot of people don't realize because our financing structure is very conducive for people to buy real estate. Um, I Once again, it's not easy. We're not saying that. We understand you're working two jobs. And and at night you're going to and fix at your night house. You're going to fix your house. And you also have school and you're married and maybe you have a kid. No one's saying it's easy. But the um, rules that we have associated with real estate is way more. Uh, uh, Americans have, we have way more access to that kind of wealth creation than any, anything else. The, I mean, you can, you can 
save, make sacrifices, get a down payment to put in a duplex where you live in one side and rent the other. And that's your start. And that's your start. And um, banks are happy to do that. And they're willing to do that. And yeah, maybe I have to stabilize my life a little more. Maybe I need to get a better paying job, right? But these are simple fixes, right? I mean, once again, I, it, it's they're simple, not easy. But no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so now now you got uh, the triplex. What are you working on next? Um, well, we I want to work on that that storage deal with you. Yes. I want to. I think we're. I feel, he just called me. We oh, really? we uh, we talked about it once. Like, oh yeah, I want to do more storage deals. And I was like, okay. And I went and scraped all the empty buildings in the U.S. <laughs> I was like, and I like literally, I just sat there for like two nights straight and just went through every single one, trying to find the characteristics of what would be a good deal. And I found like three. But uh, actually, some of the ones that I found were already converted into U-Hauls. Like they, they, like, they were such good buildings. And, like, because I went through and I found the, like, just the characteristics of what would be a good facility like we did with Reno. And, um, like, just the address. And I would search it and see what, if it's a standalone and whatnot. And then I was doing deeper research. And I'd found that they were already bought by U-Haul, converted operating facility. And that's how I knew I was onto something because... Um, there's only so many that U-Haul would convert, and like yeah. six of the ones that I found were already converted. So it was just behind the ball. Yeah. Um, but the one we found, um, it's it's still in the market. We've, it's been on the market for a year. It's just sitting empty, and I feel like we could um, do a, a good job with that one. It's a good location. Yeah, we're talking about it's on a main road right when you come into town. And when we talk about conversions, um, Rock's looking at these big box and uh, big box empty stores that we would then go turn into indoor outdoor storage to use that we're hoping we can get at such a low price because you have some of these that are in areas where no one's ever going to go fill that no Sears way can. Yeah. no retail is coming to enter these big box stores but it sometimes it can take the owners a while to, to realize to realize i, I lose money every single year and no one is coming to rent out out of my building anymore and i got to walk away and the price associated with walking away is nothing like it was because you can't rent it out anymore to a sears so it's just not the value's not there and that can be hard for owners to grasp but they're everybody's starting to get it after, yeah after well the years. maintenance cost like oh. we the reason it's taken so long is i've been trying to figure out okay hey What's the roof like? Because it's it's across the country. What's the roof like? What's this like? I'm trying to get the data to bring to you guys. To be like, hey, this is our this is what we're looking at. But it's just like hitting a like you're just running into a wall every time you're trying to get some information because they don't know the owners don't really know because it's been occupied for 15 years. No one really knows, and the tenant was managing it, so it's probably bad. And so um, I'm just trying to get it down. Like I'm really kind of add in room for error to make make it so that it's a good deal. One, to get the owners out of it, but also to, for, for, to get it under a, a contract and so we can look at it. Well, and two, you know, it's funny because if you look at real estate, you talk about big commercial versus this triplex and stuff, but we're talking about the exact same thing. Now, yes, we're talking about more doors and bigger expense, but you're just adding commas. It's, it, I mean, there's really nothing different. If you get down buying, you know, you're talking about buying a triplex, converting, and adding a door to the back, right? We're talking about buying this building, converting, putting more doors inside, and adding some doors outside. I mean, it's same literally the, the same process. And the numbers are the same. I look at what number I can get per door, what expenses I have to pay, what are the utilities, right? What What is the HVAC? Do you have a, a heater that's going to go out? All those kind of things. So you analyze your big ticket items. And that's the great thing about real estate. 
because it is so scalable. You learn as you go all the skills you need to do when it's huge. And with with those big box stores, like we like we learned, like hey, it's going to be the roof, it's going to be the sprinkler system, and it's going to probably be whether. Um, I mean, we had a lot of issues with the uh, what do you call it? Well, we didn't have that much issues with the ceiling, like the actual exterior. It was in pretty yeah. good shape. It was in pretty good shape. But We're redoing the roof right now. Yeah, which um, those things. If, I mean, on a f- what is that? A fifty thousand, eighty thousand square foot roof. Like that's oh, a yeah. a big project, big and so you don't want to mess up your numbers. Because yeah. with the the one thing with the triplex is I well, and I'm not even that. I told you carpet and paint, and it ended up being blown out. But but you can um, you can really get bids and get everything lined out so that you're not caught off guard. You you can know your numbers before you do the deal, depending on how deep you go with your your um, inspections and and getting bids and figuring that out. It's e- I feel like it's easier actually easier on a higher level on a on a bigger level. Because you can get a roofing company to come out and say, hey, yeah, it's going to be $80,000 to fix the roof. Yeah. Um, and then at least you know. Yeah. And you get three bids from three different roofing companies. You, and they're all 80 grand or within that range. That's the price. Exactly. So, And it's harder to do with subs that don't show up. But just to recap that triplex, I mean, uh, so the, the purchase was 450 30 grand in. Um, it's, it, they said that I could sell it for six let Let's say $600. Um, I know there was one that just sold in the north end. A little bit nicer street. Um, but it, that one sold for 600. Um, and so if I, if I could get it appraised, yeah, I'd, I'd probably try to do the refi and free up that, that line of credit and look for another opportunity and, um, yeah, just go move on to the next level. Obviously we're doing the e-commerce stuff and, uh, the coronavirus is really messing that stuff up, but we, um, that's why I like to balance both. We'll do that on our next podcast. Actually, about the impact. That's a great, great one to talk about. Yeah. And, um, yeah, see if we can. Make a self-storage deal happen. Right on. Thanks, man. Well, hey, guys, we've uh, this is a great podcast on real estate. Thanks, Rock. We'll, we'll try to get that stuff off. Um, your, uh, your LinkedIn on there so you guys can go check it out. Um, our next podcast, we'll nail down the coronavirus and talk about what we're seeing, um, what we're seeing in real estate. Um, I, you know, not to go too far on it, but I did just get, I uh, had a meeting yesterday, and we have friends that do massive apartment developing. They can't get cabinetry they can't get plumbing and stuff in they're behind eight months now from opening up and they're just sitting there waiting so it's starting to have effects in your business my business and others um, which will be interesting to see how see how it plays out so uh yeah we can talk about that and how you protect yourself from downsides and blips and things like that in market fluctuations and unknown until then everybody thanks Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.